and welcome to the DMBA podcast where we share business confidence for designers. Hey, Front. Hey, Tom. Hey. Hey, hello. So, um, we got in a bit of a pickle today because we were supposed to record a podcast and then we got super busy with application calls for the upcoming DMBA. So, we kind of didn't have time to prep one of the topics we wanted to prep. So, I was kind of put in a spot to to come up with something on a short notice. And luckily, uh, this week, I've been working on a um, business school exam for designers. So it's kind of an exam with just seven questions where we put you in a situation, you as a designer, like uh, a business situation, and then uh, basically ask you a question. And then you have four options. And then you need to choose one of these four options and uh, if you get the question right, then you get one point and, you know, you kind of show your business confidence. So since we didn't have another topic, we decided to um, unveil our producer, Tom, <laughs> uh, who's going to be now put on the spot. He doesn't know anything about the quiz. Completely on the spot. <laughs> Very much out of my comfort zone. Real surprise. So we, we'll see how this goes. Um, appreciate it. La- happy to be the guinea pig. Mm. Also, side note, I haven't seen uh, this quiz, so maybe even I'm going to be puzzled. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I did see the quiz, but we didn't test it yet, so this is going to be a nice test. By the time this episode is out, I'm guessing the quiz is also going to be on our website, which is d.mba/quiz. Um, so this is going to be kind of a test, so let's see how it goes. Mm. Um, and if you want to take it stop this podcast now go to the website take the quiz and then come back and listen to this <laughs> <laughs> and another way is also to stop the podcast throughout you know okay you hear you hear the first question stop the recording you think it through <clears throat> hmm i think it's b and then you click play and you see what tom thinks and then you click further play and you see what franz thinks actually let's do it this way First is going to be Tom answering, then it's going oh, to be Franz answering, and then I'm going to give you the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go in sequence. Um, okay, so rules of the game is seven questions. Each question has four options, A, B, C, D. I'm going to read a question once. You can ask me to read it again. Again, uh, I can also read the options again. Uh, we can discuss it in a time without Googling. <laughs> or using ChatGPT, uh, you can give us your best answer. Hands are up here. Hands are up here. <laughs> yeah, you should. Um, so yeah, that's 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 rules of the game. Did I forget anything? No idea. Uh, we know nothing about it. <laughs> <laughs> Let's learn by playing. Yeah. Alrighty, you want to do the sound, friends? The uh, who wants to be a business air sound? Yeah, who wants to be business here? <laughs> so, <laughs> well, this is another story that I first need. So, I first need to introduce it before I can make the sound because otherwise it's going to be super weird. So, during the program, we have live uh, co working calls and we try to spice things up by starting this co working call also with a quiz. Um, and we call this quiz Who Wants to Be a Business Here? Um, and then we do it for the very first week. Um, and from the week number two, I usually try to make somebody else from the group to make that sound that introduces the game. So that's actually a running gag and something that makes everybody laugh because first it's super quiet and then I'm like, come on, somebody somebody can do it. And then 
all of a sudden somebody goes (laughs) (laughs) and then we'll find somebody every single week so it's just a a rolling thing after that that. to look forward to new cohort (laughs) um, in april you you know the sound and the show right tom Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I haven't watched it for a very long time, but yeah, I mean, it's you know, right. ingrained in all our psyches, isn't it? Yeah. So let's I think there is a version for every country, right? There is, but the sound is always the same, I hope, yeah. I think. Let's see. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty. So let's imagine that Tom won the, how is that game called? Like, like before you get in the hot seat? Is it the fastest finger? I can't remember now. Fastest finger, something like <laughs> that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. congrats so Tom yeah. had the fastest finger oh one thing about it Tom is Tom did the DMBA so uh, a lot of these questions are based on the DMBA curriculum so uh, probably it's going to be easy for him but let's <laughs> see uh, depends how good my memory is it's a couple of years <laughs> alrighty first question Tom you ready mm-hmm. boom ready so here is the scenario you are pitching a rebrand project to a C-level executives. And one of them asks you, what ROI can they expect? What is she asking you about when she's talking about ROI? Option A, return on investment. Option B, rate of increase. Option C, rate on uh, return on income. And option D, rate of impact. So again, my you're pitching to rebrand project to C-level executive, and one of them asks you about the ROI of the project. So, A, B, C, D. I don't think I need to phone a friend, thankfully. I'll save that for later. <laughs> I think, Alan, I'm going to go with return on investment. Hmm. Is this your final answer, Tom? <laughs> it is. <laughs> you're going to lock it in? Lock All it right. in. Okay, so Tom is locking in A, return on investment. What does Franz think? Agree. Return on investment? Yeah. All right, so a big reveal. Correct answer. Congratulations, Tom. You want your first point. Phew. I think we should alternate who answers questions, by the way. I think it should be Franz (laughs) next. Just just saying. (laughs) I don't think that's necessary. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's going to be easy. I, I can um, be phone a, phone a friend. Okay, cool. Yeah. I've got you on speaker. <laughs> but to give a little bit of context of this question, so it's a thing uh, you, you kind of hear a lot, you know, in, the, in, in, in business. People talk about RI all the time. So, Franz, can you tell us what RI is and how it's calculated? Uh, yeah, sure. That's... Uh, as Tom already said, return on investment. So it basically um, tries to look on the rate of money we get in return from what we for what we have invested. So I think you would have to um, take the return that you expect and divide it by the investment you make. So you get a percentage number, and you want, in the best case, to be this number. To, for you want this number to be higher than your best alternative investment, right? So if you get a return on investment of like 3%, then maybe um, if you compare that with stock market returns or even um, yeah, putting 
money in a bank, which is not as great anymore at the moment, but still you want to basically uh, compare this with the best option or with the best other option that you have. And then you should be better off with this. And this reminds me of the story, like one of our alumni, his name is Neil. He actually had to do exactly this thing. So he was like pitching a rebrand project for, so internally he, he, he worked for a startup and he pitched like a rebrand project to the C-level executives. And I believe chief technology officer, if not mistaken, like asked him, Hey, so yeah. what's going to be the ROI, right? And um, sometimes it's hard to give like a very concrete answer because, okay, let's say a rebrand project is going to cost you 10K, 50K, whatever. Like you don't know exactly that it's going to lead to, I don't know, 100K investment, but you can find some like proxy examples. And I'm just looking this up. So the, the story with Neil, because he used a really cool technique to then make the case. Um, so he actually said, I'm quoting now, I'm reading this from the story. So I did some research and found out that many companies like Uber, Spotify, Slack, and N26 did the rebrand shortly before their IPO, which contributed to an increase in their valuation of up to 51%. So that's a pretty strong case to make, you know, like, hey, if we just invest one month of my time into this, the whole company can grow by 51%, which is definitely more than you're gonna, we're going to put in. So yeah. that's an example. And that actually tells us that it's not about like this exact formula, right? It's not about getting the exact number of investment getting and getting the exact number of um, expected return. But what they're basically asking is, what are we getting out of this? What can we expect? Right. And mm -hmm. it's not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily have to be like mathematical formula that answers this question, but we can go for, um, yeah, whatever we think this brings. And the closer we can get to actual numbers, monetary outcome, uh, the better it is. And it's notoriously hard to to calculate, and I think sometimes we um, it feels like too much of an ask to come come up with with numbers. Like you say, I think it can be just a useful thought exercise and framing about yeah. okay, what other benefits can I try and um, yes. express around this? So, I've been working on this recently with a client where uh, it's in financial services, and we're talking about improving um, the look and feel of a kind of business critical user interface that. Um, advisors use so financial advisors and it feels a little clunky a little broken in part and actually if we invested in improving it it's going to make them more efficient and obviously that's going to improve cash flow but also the perception of security and quality um and someone likely to recommend that product or that company all of those factors as well um, which, you know, you can try and quantify a little, but I think just, just having that framing of, okay, I, yeah. I need to think about what the benefits are. If you can do financial yeah. ones, great, but it, but it, it is more broad than that. 100% agree. Yeah. yeah. A lot of times it's just like listing out the potential benefits. Nice one. All right. I, I think we got to speed up because if we keep this pace, then it's going to be a 70 minute, uh, podcast episode. <laughs> Question number two, a CEO has announced that your design um, agency has a new product or service line and the business strategy. So your agency came up with a new offering and new strategy, which of the following can be a part of CEO strategy because, well, it's simply not a business strategy. Option A, low cost approach option b design thinking option c differentiation and option d focus 
So which of the following is not a business strategy? I'm going to go with design thinking. Interesting choice, Tom. (laughs) Are you locking it in? Uh, it's, It's locked in. Uh, I can just hear a lot of people like listening. Like, no, how can you say that? <laughs> it's so great. Design thinking. <laughs> how can it not be a strategy? It is a strategy, right? <laughs> so what do you think, Franz? Yeah, Tom got it. Design thinking is not a strategy answer. because everybody can do it. And strategy is all about making decisions that are trade-offs, right? So you need to find a thing that it can't be easily copied. And an example of that is differentiation and low cost. And low cost means that a company is trying to be the cheapest and differentiation means the company tries to be the best. So by definition, differentiation and low cost are trade-offs. And design thinking is something you can apply to either differentiation or to low cost strategies. So it's, it's, it's an example of a best practice and best practices are not strategic choices. They're just things on top. Did I get this yeah. right, Tom? Sounds good to me. I'm just relieved it's <laughs> two for two so far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're doing great. You are the face of the NBA alumni community now, so make us proud. <laughs> Come on. Alrighty, anything else on this strategic topic or are we moving on to the third one? Um, if you want to know more about this, read um, Porter's Generic Strategies. Exactly. Yeah. Porter, Michael Porter. Alrighty. Third question. So Tom, just close your eyes and imagine. Imagine that you're working for Figma and that your job is to differentiate Figma, so your product, better against indirect competitors. Okay? So not direct, but indirect competitors. So which of the following companies is an indirect competitor you need to design against? So you want to differentiate against them. Option A, Sketch. Option B, Adobe XD. Option C, Canva. And option D, Axure. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing this correctly, the the last one. I am going to go with Canva on this one. That was fast. Can you can you walk us through your thinking process, Tom? My thinking with it is all the other tools are, um, I, I would consider them sort of professional tools. You know, if you are a designer by trade, you've probably got subscriptions to one or more of those. Use them on the regular. That's how you earn most of your money. Canva, I think positioning-wise, is far more broad. I think it's used by people across all kind of... Uh, job roles, a lot of marketing uh, people, a lot of comms people, and it's just it's. I think it's aimed more at the broader audience, and almost isn't positioned as a design tool per se. Um, so it has this position in the market where it's kind of seen as something you can create in great creative, but it kind of holds your hand. It's template based. Um, it, it gives you very strong guide rails that us as designers who feel confident with the likes of Figma and Co would f- probably find a little restrictive, maybe a little threatening, depending on what uh, kind of design work you're in. But um, yeah, that's that's my that's my thinking. I don't know whether I'm right or not. You are 
But maybe first France, do you agree? <laughs> Actually, here I need to pass because I don't, I mean, I'm not that much into design tools, honestly. So I'm working a little bit with Figma. I've used Canva. I've never heard of the fourth option. So I'm not in a great place to answer that. To be completely honest, I also had to find the fourth one. I was Googling like, oh, what else feels like a direct competitor? So what's the right pronunciation of that tool, Tom? Is it Axure? The or? final one. I, I pronounce it Axure. Axure, okay. Yeah. Well, whatever the pronunciation is, you are right, Tom. Congratulations. You're doing great. Thank you. Good maybe good. the last thing on this topic is just, can you just maybe explain the difference between a direct and indirect competitor? Um, I'll give it a go. Um, so I'd say direct competitors tend to, if we think about the competitive arena, they are um, going after, they maybe have similar feature sets, similar framing, positioning, and maybe even pricing models. They get, they're kind of looking at each other um, and trying to, to compete. So if you thought about it in terms of, say, air travel, um, airlines, it would be EasyJet versus BA versus Wizz Air. They're all kind of direct competitors selling broadly the same product, differentiating on a few other factors around price, quality, routes, those kind of things. And I'd say those design tools are doing a similar thing. Um, they will have the core features that are very similar and then have smaller differentiation going after um, a similar market. Indirect competitors, I would say, are ones where you can kind of get the similar outcome but maybe through uh, a different route or quite um, quite a different tool um, so in the case of travel if I want to get from uh, the UK where I am now to Slovenia Paris um, I could fly or I could take like three trains maybe Paris is a better example Paris flying, is a better one yeah <laughs> yeah yeah flying from um, uh, UK to Paris I can do that um, by air through through uh, an airline, they're all competing, or I can take the Eurostar, which personally is my preference. And I'm doing that next week. Um, so that's, uh, that's <laughs> a relevant one. Um, so they would, I, I would consider them an indirect competitor, same as hiring a car. Um, it's another way to get the same outcome, but it's, it's, they are, they are com not competing um, on the kind, kind of same factors as each other. Maybe a little bit of a waffly answer there. Um, no, that's that amazing. Better than yeah. I would explain it. So perfect. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of, one of the most um, interesting kind of parts of the DMBA for me, and it's a tool that I've used a fair bit. We did the sort of um, competitive arena mapping. Um, right. I think actually yeah. air travel is the, the example that maybe we used when we were first yes. coming up with that, which is why it's front of mind. But I've, I've found that really, really um, useful tool. Um, yeah. So maybe the scenario in the question is like you probably won't be tasked on a project where you need to differentiate against indirect competitor, but it's just to make you think that it's not just direct competitors you're competing with or designing against. It's also indirect ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I went to Slovenia because I was thinking of Alan, and then suddenly realized that's a, it's like, oh. a pain to get to by train. <laughs> yeah. There is not a lot of indirect competitors. No, to flying. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, next one. Yeah. So Tom and Franz, imagine you are a design lead who wants and needs more designers in your team. 
very relatable, right? So you want more manpower. So which of the following approaches would you use to estimate how much budget you need for three new team members? So to give you a little bit more context on the scenario, it's like you go to your boss and you say, hey, I just need more people for us to you know, do a better job here. And they give you a green light. Like, yeah, actually, yeah, that makes sense. But can you come up with an estimate? You know, what's the budget? How much money do we need? So which of the following approaches, what we call prototyping with numbers, makes most sense to estimate how much money you need for the three new team members? Okay. So here are the options. Option A is something called left to right. Approach called left to right. Option B is right to left. Option C is top-down, and option D is bottom-up. I'm going to let Franz go first on this one. <laughs> yeah, I I'm think drawing that's a bit a... of a blank here. I am, I, this one's got me a little more, little more having to think on it. Yeah, and I, I get it why, because it's very specific also with the terminology. Um, yeah. And I think as soon as we go deeper into what these options mean, um, it's going to be clear because first left to right and right to left don't, don't exist in this concept. Mm. So uh, there is nothing that's, yeah. is, that I'm aware of that exists. But then there is bottom up and top down calculation, which we can use also, for example, for market sizing or for anything else we want to prototype. So if we go bottom up, we try to think of the smallest piece that's known to us and try to extrapolate to the goal that we have. So for example, for these three people, we start with three people. These three people need, um, or basically I need first one person. One person needs a salary. One person needs um, maybe a workplace. One person needs maybe a computer. They need some other tech setup. There are some costs on top for the company. So I add that up for one person and then I multiply it by three. So I have my um, basically numbers prototype for what it would cost me to hire three new designers. So, and then you can go creative on what does it actually cost, right? So it's not only salary, it's workspace, it's computer, it's maybe onboarding time that needs to go into yeah. that. And then headhunting. headhunting. Um, so we try to craft that for the smallest case. And then we multiply that with the number that we have, which is three in this case. And then we have the final number. So that's bottom up and we can do the same for like, everything that we have that is more graspable. Exactly. And to and give the, an example, a top-down would be like, okay, our company is already 100 people large and you just kind of ask somebody from the finance department, okay, how much money do we spend per month for salaries? And let's say it's, I don't know, 10 million and you just need to divide this. Okay, public math is the worst thing to do, but like, I don't know, 10 million divided with 100, whatever it is. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, too much. <laughs> <laughs> you need a calculator. <laughs> Wait, I think it makes more sense to be a million and check it, uh, 100 people. Yeah, that makes more sense. A million divided by 100, that's what? 10,000. Is it? Francis, if it's a thousand, it's 100. Yeah, then is this it's how much like you're paying your 10,000 people. 10,000 euros right. per person. Let's say it's 10,000, 10K per person. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you just say, okay, I'm going to just multiply this for our designers. So you're making a lot of assumptions that actually designers on average make like an average employee and so on. But you, you need fewer data points um, and 
you can do it faster, but as you are getting a feeling for it, it's less, um, less, less accurate. But both of these have its advantages for certain cases. So Tom, now you just need to make a decision which one you feel like better fits to this case. Your scenario you talked, um, I was torn between bottom up and top down when you first put the options through. I'm going to go with of course, bottom up. Why? Um, because of the reasons Fran said, the detail of what was um, going into all of the different financial factors that would contribute to that and then rolling that up and finding the total uh, and how much that would extrapolate out. I thought it was a really good explanation of it, um, by the way, friends. Yeah, and so I hope it's right. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. Cool. Yeah. yeah. If we got the data, um, then it's usually easier to um, do it bottom up. If you're like, I don't know what a salary could be, then we maybe want to start with a huge number from the top and divide it by, um, uh, divide it by, um, yeah, the cases that we want to look at. Nice. It's one of those things that you hear all the time, don't you? And I'm pretty sure yeah. I've nodded along and gone, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, bottom and, um, up. I know this has great. come up before, um, but yeah, that's a good thing about Doing stuff like yeah, the, NBA, the questions kind of demystify a bunch of these these terms that we've probably heard an awful lot of over the years. Yes. By the way, applications are open right now. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, with regards to this, this is exactly how I feel a lot of these a lot uh, about a lot of these words. You know, like you hear them in the meetings and you mm -hmm. just go along nodding. But like, if you just knew a little bit about what is being said, you could contribute better. So mm -hmm. one of those is bottom up. And we have another one coming very soon. Uh, actually, we, should, we could just jump to that uh, question, which has a very similar flavor. Sh shall we? Or is it? Okay. Do it. So, Tom, imagine that you overhear a conversation between two department heads and what they're saying is not nice. So you really want to understand what they're saying. So one said to the other, Design team will need to contribute more to the top line. Otherwise, we'll need to let some of them go. What are they actually saying? So the focus is on the word top line, okay? So option A, design team needs to be more productive. Option B, design team needs to be more involved with best-selling products. Option C, design team needs to focus on strategic topics. Option D, design team needs to help generate more revenue. Um, Alan, I'm going to go with the last answer, more revenue. Hmm. Interesting choice, Tom. Can you tell more about your reasoning? Um, top line to me is like the, the gross revenue that's coming into the business. So if you think if you're reading a financial statement, it's kind of like the top line before you remove any other costs, um, tax, all that, all that kind of stuff that leaves you um, with a kind of net profit, ideally profit. So yeah, that's my logic. And it's 100% correct. <laughs> Woo! I wish I had some of those like you know. we do need some sound effects for the next time we do yeah, this yeah sound effects exactly <laughs> so do you also know what is the opposite or like the, the usually top line is being used with another key term with bottom top line, line and, yeah so what's mm. the bottom line 
extra um, points if you throw this. Bonus points. I mean, <laughs> my understanding is that is after all, after all your costs are taken into account, what is left? And I, hopefully that's going to be profit. It might not be if you're early stage and whatnot, but it's basically that number after all of your costs, Correct. salary, you know, a, a, any outgoings. Tom, you're, 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 you're doing great. Very relieved, I have to say. <laughs> the tricky thing is with the bottom line, like you, you can hear bottom line and people just, you know, you use bottom line in another context as well. Yeah. People say, oh, the bottom line is we need to let designers go. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. we need to hire more designers, hopefully. Uh, but in, in business or like in financial terms, bottom line is net profit, basically. Anything to add, Franz? Not at all. Straightforward. Alrighty. Then the next one is switching context, Tom. Imagine you got a new job. You're not working for Figma anymore. Now you're working for Apple Music. Okay, okay. cool. Okay. Yeah, nothing bad. So you have 30% off on all Apple uh, products. It's part of the perks. But now we need you to do something for us. Okay. So you're staffed on a project and the goal of this project is to add more songs to the app's music library so you want to enlarge the music library of app music okay because spotify has more and you need to kind of ramp it up which business model pattern are you trying to support with this project maybe it's a little bit hard to understand so let me give you an answers first and then we can discuss it. okay so option a is freemium Option B is franchise. Option C is long tail. Option D is white label. So again, the question is, which business model pattern are you trying to support with the project where you're enlarging, enlarging the Apple Music's library of songs? Let's have those options again, Alan. Of course. Option A, freemium. Mm -hmm. Okay. You know what freemium is? Yeah, right? I think so. Okay. Option B is franchise. So it's a franchising mm -hmm. business model. Probably also makes sense. Option C is long tail. You know what that, that one means? Let, let's, let's get the fourth one out and then I'll sell. Uh, okay. And option D is white label. Whatever. I'm going to go with long tail. Okay. So what is what? First, yes, it is correct. But what does long tail mean? Why did you choose? I chose it because um, to me, long tail means around expanding an offering to take in more of a potentially broad audience. Um, so you might have, if you were thinking about it in terms of a chart, you're um, not great with like chart terminology, but um, if uh, a long tail kind, kind of sweeps off at the end and gives you more breadth, but it might be more, in the terms of Apple Music, it might be more niche. So it might be we've got this core offering, which is really popular stuff that makes it is a no-brainer to have in our library. Um, it's going to appeal to a mass audience. Um, but once you have that saturation, it's like, how do we broaden that out? Well, we expand the library maybe into um, content that is not going to appeal to everyone, but will appeal to that long tail of customers who have more, more niche interests, for example. That's my that's my logic to to that answer. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Anything to add, Franz? Um, 
you go first because I have a maybe a different understanding of it. Of of the long I, tail. I, I'll challenge. I I'm gonna challenge you later. The you answer or the yeah. the explanation? No, the expl- No, not the explanation because I think Tom's explanation was very on point. But I want to discuss whether this is actually long tail or not. But you go first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you should. So you say it's long tail. <laughs> Okay, you also say it's long tail, right? You, I mean, yes. that's what you had in mind. Yes, I, I think with quiz, so. That's the <laughs> yeah, maybe it's white label. I don't know. <laughs> no, uh, my answer is also a long tail. Okay, um, yeah, because the, that's a very interesting extension of this long tail concept that Tom actually brought up, and in this way, I honestly haven't seen it. So, in my understanding, long tail was always. Um, Amazon as the prime example for long tail, meaning that you as Amazon have bestseller products that you obviously have in the um, in your shop, but then you have a very long tail of products that don't sell that often, but as you have the capabilities on a technical um, point as being an online shop and having great fulfillment centers, you can also have things in your um, portfolio that sell not that often, but they will still create enough revenue as total, which is then your long tail. So if you would have a brick and mortar store, it wouldn't have make sense to sell something that sells only like 10 times a year because it takes up space. But in another business model, in a digital business model with these capabilities, you can have these long tail products that don't turn as often, but because you have technical abilities, you can still have them and benefit from this long tail. So my understanding was always long tail means you get incremental revenue by this. Mm-hmm. And this understanding of the long tail is interesting because Apple Music doesn't make revenue from selling songs, but they get revenue from getting additional um, getting additional subscribers. But the way actually Tom explained it still makes sense because if you understand the long tail in a way that by adding these niche songs to your uh, list will attract also people that would not be attracted otherwise it still makes sense for the long tail even though it doesn't create revenue by selling this extra song that you put in your library but it's rather creating just usual subscribers who are exactly the same subscribers as everybody else so for me that was just also a learning of how to understand this long tail business model yeah, it also comes in the retention form. So it's not just attracting new ones, but it's because I can find certain songs I'm going to stay with Apple yeah. Music and not go to Spotify. Or I guess one. the assumption when I was answering is that, I mean, I was kind of thinking about the other options you, you put in there and they kind of didn't fit. So I guess sort of retrospectively making that fit an Apple Music thing because I wouldn't necessarily know that Apple Music didn't have some niche stuff in there, but you, you know what I mean? Like you could start off as that kind of player and then add in something more popular, which would mm-hmm. not really be picking up long tail customers. That would be uh, almost like the, the opposite. But um, yeah, like you say, it's not direct revenue, but it's kind of proxy by by subscription numbers. Um, yeah. yeah. Trying to appeal to a wider audience. Tom, let's see if you're going to be impeccable, Tom, 100%. So far, so First good. time for everything. How far are we? That's the last question I'm going to read now, okay? One million. 
It's a question God, for I can't one... wait to get paid after this. this is... Billion. No, this is this is a different game. One billion. <laughs> what? What? I don't know. What do what do designers love? One billion black t-shirts or uh, <laughs> white white sneakers? <laughs> I right. got two pairs. So I. <laughs> so imagine this, Tom. A startup is looking for design research help. So they reach they reach out to you. Okay, you're a design researcher in this scenario. And a client, a prospective client, tells you that their TAM, T-A-M, is huge. And that you probably and you probably need to define many, many personas. Okay? So what does she mean with TAM? So T-A-M. A, total attainable market. B, total addressable market. Total asset market. D, total acquisition margin. If my memory serves me correctly, I believe it's total addressable market. Any uh, reasoning or just like... <laughs> oh, well, I will, I will follow up with my reasoning. So um, my understanding of TAM is if you were kind of looking at every potential customer that you could appeal to, that would be the total addressable market. So an example, I mean, if you think about flying again, like the total addressable market for flying is like probably 90% of the population. You're not, you're probably not going to attain um, that amount, but you can pretty mm -hmm. confidently say it's, you know, it's a, mm -hmm. it's a very broad number. Uh, and then within that, you're looking at, you know, realistically, what, what could you go after? Where do you want to specialize? Um, but yeah, that's, 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 uh, that's my thinking. And at the end of the day, it's, it's a definition of a, uh, term of acronym. So, um, it's also hard to give you reasoning that way. So first of all, no, maybe first France, do you agree? Um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> You're right, Tom. 100%. Woo You're looking at the a business air, a billionaire. <laughs> Cool. Uh, so maybe just to give a little bit of the context on the TAM and how it's used. So when you are starting with a new service or product, you're kind of, kind of trying to show your investors or yourself how big of a market this could be. So the first thing you look at is something called TAM, total addressable market. So how many people actually you could target. Then it's um, after that, it's uh, totally like SAM, so serviceable market. And then it's actually the target market. So what you realistically can achieve. Um, so, for example, if you are starting a dock walking service, you just look at uh, all the people that actually own docks. So, Tom, you would be part of that uh, total addressable yeah. market, for example, and me in France wouldn't be. Um, so, it's used, especially in this first first kind of stage when you're just trying to get the sense for how big this service or product would be. It might be worth expanding on that example, actually. So, you know, everyone with a dog is in that um total addressable market if you're kind of paring down from there right as far as like dog walking goes how would you start um factoring down and going okay this is this is actually um what we can expect to to try and go after mm. within that that total addressable market so i guess you could say um i mean people's um access to uh 
funds is going to be one of those things, right? Dog walking isn't isn't cheap, so it might be as to they have to fill mm. uh, fall within a certain income bracket in order yeah. to do that. Um, are they are they within a certain age bracket where they maybe are still working and aren't available to walk their dog during the day, so they need someone to come mm. in and look after it? And you can see, okay, I'm now targeting people who are employed within a certain age range um, who have a certain um, disposable income. And you can see how yeah. that starts through your research, focusing in on um, that that smaller market within the TAM that you could yeah. start to go after. Nice one. So that's then the addressable market, right? So when you have the first step of um, total addressable market, then you have the um, serviceable addressable market, which is the one that are actually in these brackets of being um, interested because of certain factors that you just mentioned, Tom. And then the last one is um, some serviceable address, um, serviceable obtainable market, which will be then the people that you will actually um, be able to attract. So this is then the mm, your projected revenue in the end. Yeah, yeah. So I would be in there. Shout out Rory, my dog. <laughs> Say hi. <laughs> Give her a pet. He's actually, a, ironically, he's at daycare, which is another um, <laughs> another option. So, <laughs> so it looks like Dog we're going to have to do um, a second version of the quiz for you, Tom. Uh, yeah. A slightly harder one. Yeah, Jeez. I think so. Oh, I, might, I might retire. I'm a, I'm a trillionaire now. I don't need to do this anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So for the listeners, I hope you enjoy this one and you got, as Tom, everything right. But if you didn't, you should consider maybe joining the DMBA. It's just around the corner. We're starting on April 17th. So um, to to learn more about the course, head over to d.mba slash course and to apply, head over to d.mba slash apply. And even then, if you uh, got everything right, we are going deeper <laughs> than that. <laughs> True. Even if you got everything right. <laughs> yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I think that's the pot. Thanks, Franz. Thanks, Tom. Thanks, everyone, for listening. And see you in the next one. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.